Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. So hey guys, welcome to episode 28 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai. I am so excited to be here with you guys this morning and I want to start this episode out by saying I'm sorry if you've been waiting for this episode to come out. It's coming out on a Wednesday, which is a day later than it's supposed to come out, and it's my fault. So I just wanted to tell you guys, um, you know, hopefully lesson learned on this. I had recording issues, and then once we did get the recording actually done, the recording got deleted accidentally. Oh my goodness, it has just been <laughs> like crazy. Um, so I feel really bad because I do, there's a couple of people that reached out and said, Hey, did you know, where'd your podcast go and all this. And so I'm sorry if you're waiting, I really appreciate that you would have been, um, waiting for this and listening for it. So better late than never, I guess. So we're here now and, um, I'm praying that this episode records and I don't delete it again and that everything is good and I get it out and, uh, momentarily. So I'm actually recording this very early on Wednesday morning. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today, well, I don't, so the last two episodes that I had were my first two episodes of the new year of 2018. And I did awesome interviews with uh, both Jimmy Moore and Christine Moore. So if you have not listened to those episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to those. They, uh, those two are always a treat. And um, they gave you guys some good information in those podcasts. Specifically, uh, Christine's podcast, the last one, if you have interest in the NTA, which is the Nutri Nutritional Therapy Association, which is where I am currently attending school, for my um, nutritional therapy practitioner um, license. So if you guys haven't, if you have interest in that, would definitely listen to episode 27. And that is where I actually interview Christine and we talk about that. So, um, okay, so that's, uh, that kind of recaps that. And I do not have Derek with me this morning. Um, unfortunately, he was not able to join me. He did join me for the other two recordings of this episode the one that we had issues with and the other one that was deleted. <laughs> so, so he has recorded this episode actually twice and um, unfortunately will end up not being on it at all. So, so you guys are just going to have to listen to me today. Um, so what I want to talk about for you guys today is I have a couple of things. Um, first, I am going to address a listener question that I thought was very interesting. And I thought there are probably other people out there wondering this question, perhaps, and have not reached out or not asked, um, maybe think that there's no way it could help. So I wanted to put that out there. And then I'm going to do part one of a of this episode. Part two will re be, be released next week. And what we're going to do is we are going to take a look at the top 10 keto lifestyle New Year's resolutions. So um, I know I'm a little bit late in the game here as it is January 17th. So I know we're halfway through the month of January already. And probably if you made New Year's resolutions, you made those before the new year. Uh, or perhaps the first week of the new year, you were um, deciding what you were going to do and maybe starting those. And maybe you don't make New Year's resolutions and you're like, listen, I have no interest in listening to a whole podcast about New Year's resolutions. But I encourage you to listen anyway, because I am going to talk about um, they're just in general good tips for health and wellness and just an overall 
a health healthy lifestyle and just trying to, um, you know, kind of reset. I, I look at New Year's resolutions as a time to reset yourself. You know, you we reset our weeks, you know, every week we have a weekend and then we kind of reset typically on a Monday is our reset day. We start over, you know, I, I, I reset every night. You know, most of us do, we, we go to bed, you know, I, I spend um, time kind of reflecting on my day every evening. Sometimes I spend too much time doing that and I cannot quiet my brain <laughs> um, and, you know, playing things over and over in my head. And a lot of times it's things that I wish I had said differently or done differently or whatever. Um, so, but that every night, you know, I'll reset myself. Some people, you know, reset once a month. Um, so I think it's important to have those resets in our lives so that, you know, we can say, well, okay, so this day maybe wasn't the best, but tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to start again. I think that's why we have days, we have the, the cycles, we have the seasons, you know, they're resets. So the beginning of the year is a great time to reset and recommit ourselves to things that we know are going to help us. So I want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, but first, I would like to share the listener question with you guys and um, and just kind of talk about it a little bit. I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I did want to spend just a little bit of time on it. So I had a, a message come in to my Facebook page, and this um, uh, listener writes that, okay, she says, I didn't realize that until, until today you are specifically specifically a fan of the keto diet have you and i know this person outside of um outside of my career here as a as a nutritional coach and um podcaster so she did not realize i guess that i specifically she knew i was a nutritional coach um talked to her about it before but she didn't know that i had um was specifically uh Keto. So anyway, she says, um, have you come across any research suggesting this lifestyle would be beneficial for people with sleeping disorders? I'm trying to find a more natural way to manage my narcolepsy that would allow me to back off all the medications I'm taking. Currently, I can barely function energy wise if I don't take my meds, um, if I don't take my meds. And then she lists those and she says, but I hate the way it makes me feel jittery, anxious, foggy brained. It's even affecting my vision. Anyway, I'm ready to try something different. Do you think you could help me? Um, okay. So, uh, yes, actually. So I do not have, I do not have specific experience with working with anyone with narcolepsy, but when I got this question from her, so my initial response was, um, as I'm reading it, as I thought, well, of course, um, ketogenic diet could help with narcolepsy. Um, I, but I did not know, I don't know that much about narcolepsy. So I did do a little bit of research on narcolepsy. Um, my biggest questions were, I know it's a neurological disorder, but I wasn't sure where that neurological disorder stems from. If it was a genetic thing, if it was something that you're born with, um, like a, um, or if it was something more that, that comes from uh, some kind of trauma or something happening later in your life. Um, that sets this up. So I did a little bit of research on narcolepsy and found out that it actually uh, can be, it is a central nervous system disorder, um, but it is not always, uh, it doesn't always come as a genetic uh, predisposition or something that you're born with. Um, it is a chronic disease. It does come from defects in brain cells. And these, these brain cells that have this defect, they, uh, they produce a neurotransmitter called hypocretin. And hypocretin is uh, the neurotransmitter in our brains that controls sleep. So when these brain cells have this defect, then of course, um, it can lead to sleep disorders, including, but not limited to narcolepsy. So, um, but the interesting part of this is that when that that narcolepsy can actually arise as an auto it's as a result of an autoimmune disease so it's it much like any other autoimmune disease that that I've talked about on this podcast and you can listen to on other podcasts that ketogenic diets are very good for for many different reasons but this autoimmune uh, condition can basically arise because your immune system is treating those hypocretin producing brain cells as foreign invaders, much like 
type one diabetes where your body is an autoimmune disease and your body attacks the beta cells in your pancreas and that is an autoimmune disorder and it in in essence kills off those beta cells they're no longer able to produce insulin and so that's how you end up with type 2 diabetes and we're figuring out more and more that type or I'm sorry type 1 diabetes and we're figuring out more and more now there's more research being done even in relation to type 2 diabetes um, as being an, an autoimmune disease and not so much, um, I mean, definitely can contributes, you know, you definitely contribute to that disease, uh, by diet and lifestyle, but that realizing that these autoimmune diseases, um, are, you know, are often following these patterns of our lifestyle and our diet and our bodies basically just breaking down in the sense that they, they get confused because of all the, this bad information basically that is going into our bodies. Um, a lot of it we can't control uh, or it would be very difficult to control like environmental factors and you know kind of the epigenetics that control um, how our genes are expressed but then some of it we can control like what we're eating and the nutrition that we're using to feed our bodies. So um, with narcolepsy it's that's no exception. Um, there are cases of narcolepsy where at least according to the research so far, that you can just be literally born with the central nervous system disorder that would be associated with this, which narcolepsy, for anyone who has not heard of that or is not sure what that is, it's a daytime sleepiness. So it attacks your, your um, it, it, you have like these um, sleep attacks and lack of muscle control. So um, often they will put you on like an amphetamine type medication like modafinil, something like that, and that will control the sleep-related symptoms. Um, however, like any medication like that that we're put on, there are side effects to that medication, much like this individual wrote that she's kind of dealing with some of these side effects. But um, they also, you can develop you can just develop a tolerance for them. And so they become not working as well as they did. And then often you have to up your dose or you have to try another medication and um, that can lead to other issues. So anyway, um, so then this is, so that's the standard kind of treatment for that is that you would um, take this medication to help um, kind of help keep you awake basically. And then Typically, you also then have to take an antidepressant medication that will present um, that kind of helps to prevent muscle weakness and paralysis. So um, I know it seems kind of strange, but that's the way these um, antidepressant medications work. And this particular uh, person did tell me the medications that she is taking, and that is what she is doing. They have her on um, these. Uh, stimulants and the antidepressant medications that are helping to keep her awake during the day and helping with the muscle weakness. But again, we all know that antidepressants can have other effects on your body that um, and your state of mind and your well-being that that long-term use can really be detrimental to a person. So, and then, like I said, they they often don't work long long term because you begin getting. Um, you know, uh, you build a tolerance for these medications and then you have to change them or, um, or whatnot. So her question about, is there been, have there been any, um, studies? There have been, there have been a couple, um, that I could find, but the, uh, most, probably the one that has shown the most efficacy of a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet in relation to narcolepsy was done and it was published in the journal of neurology in 2004, June of 2004, and which they had nine patients, uh, narcoleptic patients that followed a low a diet that was low in carbohydrates. They did not specifically um, mention this as a ketogenic diet, so so to speak, but it was a low carb diet. Um, and so they uh, tried that to see you know what it would do. Only eight of the patients actually completed the study. One of them dropped out. However, they did experience a significantly less daytime sleepiness, fewer sleep attacks. Now these were patients that were taken off of medications. So they were only using the ketogenic diet 
um, or a low carb diet to control these symptoms. They had fewer sleep attacks during the day and fewer incidences of sleep paralysis. So this research definitely suggests that um, you know, being on a lower glucose, a lower carb diet could improve the symptoms of narcolepsy. And they believe that the reason that this happened was it helps to activate the hypocretin containing neurons in our brain um, that just had them basically firing better. And that really goes along with, you know, the original um, th this ketogenic diet was invented originally in the 1920s by Dr. Wilders, and it was for a remedy for epileptic seizures in children. And so um, it would stand to reason to me that if that was, the, you know, it was originally invented for epileptic um, control of epileptic seizures, that is also a neurological disorder in the brain. And, um, and that was able, you know, they were able to have these really stabilizing effects on the brain through that diet. And that particular diet, they, they were, it was very restrictive. The original version of a ketogenic diet, your carbohydrates are 10 to 15 grams a day. So, um, that's extremely restrictive. Uh, protein was kept at one gram per day per kilogram, or that's approximately 2.2 pounds. Um, a kilogram is 2.2 pounds. So uh, one gram a day per 2.2 pounds of body weight. And, um, but that, you know, when you do that, it definitely forces your body to switch from being a fat burner to, or I'm sorry, from being a, a sugar burner to a fat burner. So we know that that stabilizes your brain. And so, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, I, when I talk about the ketogenic diet, I'm definitely not talking about it as that restrictive. Like I've talked before, I typically tell clients that are trying to go, they want to get into the ketogenic lifestyle. I will tell them 20 to 30 grams of carbs per day. Um, and depending what other things they are dealing with that, um, you know, for instance, with someone with narcolepsy, I would make that a total carb intake. So I would be much more specific about the amount of carbs that they're getting in because we're really trying to make this a very therapeutic application. Um, but if you're not dealing with a, a serious um, autoimmune disease or, or condition that you're trying to fix, then I typically tell people 20 to 30 grams of carbs per day um, and they do not need to be, they can be net carbs. They don't need to be total carbs. The difference is net carbs is your carbohydrates less the fiber that you're taking in. So for instance, vegetables to me, and, and in my personal ketogenic lifestyle, I do not, I don't count anything anymore, but I don't count um, vegetables against the carb intake. Uh, per se. So anyway, um, so I just wanted to put that out there and just let you uh, kind of know that, um, that yes, uh, this, you know, I think for any brain centered, any, any central nervous system centered um, issues or uh, diseases that we are dealing with, that the ketogenic diet can't do anything but help. Um, you know, that has been shown over and over again in different studies with different uh, central nervous system related issues. You know, my daughter was recently diagnosed epileptic. And so we have moved her, even though she was definitely low carb before, um, we have definitely moved her to a ketogenic um, lifestyle and a ketogenic diet. She has not suffered any more um, seizures and she is on medication. Uh, her doctors do insist that right now she has such a, um, according to them, she has such a high propensity for uh, continued seizure activity that they really want her to be on this medication. She is on a very low dose, uh, about the lowest dose and the least um, side effect epileptic medication that she can be on. So um, we have not seen any side effects from that thus far. So we're very happy about that. But the goal is with her ketogenic diet that we will remove her from that medication sooner than later. So we do hope that with her diet, we will control those seizures and she will not have to stay on that medication forever because we do know that the dose will have to change and you know she may have to change medications entirely. And and we just don't want her to have to be on that medication if we can avoid it. So, um, okay, so I hope that kind of helped answer that question. I hope that uh, that you guys found that somewhat interesting, even if you don't suffer from narcolepsy or don't know anyone that does. 
Um, okay, so let's get on with our list to um, the top 10 keto lifestyle New Year's resolutions. So like I said, I know not everyone does uh, New Year's resolutions, but if you don't do New Year's resolutions, I still think that these would be good things for you to kind of hear about and, um, and consider for your new 2018. So again, we're going to do this in a part one and a part two series because I uh, number one, <laughs> I am recording this for the third time today, so I don't uh, want to go through the whole thing again right now. Um, I just honestly don't have time because I didn't think that I would be doing this, and I have client appointments this afternoon and this morning, um, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I have to record this this morning. Um, However, uh, I do know that the first time, part of the issues that we had with the first recording was that this episode was running very, very long and we couldn't figure out how to um, make it a little bit shorter. So instead of having like an hour and a half long episode, I'm going to do like a 45 minute to an hour episode and break that, um, you know, so we'll have two like 45 minute long or an hour long episodes that'll be easier for you guys to listen to. Okay, so let's start with number 10. So we'll we'll start with 10 and we'll count backwards. So the suspense, you guys, you'll have to wait till next week to hear the, uh, the number one. So number 10, I went with improved sleep. So I know that you may be thinking, okay, well, I've done year's resolutions and I have never in my life had a resolution to have improved sleep. So, and I understand a lot of people don't make that a resolution, but I also know that the majority of people do struggle with sleep issues. Um, and, you know, following kind of on the heels that we were talking about narcolepsy, you may not have an actual autoimmune disease that is giving you sleep issues, um, like insomnia, for instance, or something like that, kind of the opposite of narcolepsy, where you cannot sleep. And, and I definitely have known people that have dealt with that. One of my very dearest friends dealt with that for years. And, um, it is brutal. Uh, it is a, it's, you know, it's not like, oh, it's just insomnia. No big deal. You just can't sleep. I mean, it is debilitating. She just, um, couldn't hardly function. Um, it just, you don't get sleep and you just, you, your body just starts breaking down after a while. So not getting proper sleep affects so many things in your life and it can be affected by so many things. There are so many things that can lead to these sleep disorders. So uh, many of them would be like stress. Stress is huge. Digestion, uh, not having, it's kind of a cart before the horse thing with digestion. Well, really with a lot of these, but um, digestive issues can not only lead to sleep disorders, but digestive issues can also stem from sleep disorders. Um, so if you're not getting proper amount of sleep, then your body actually, it affects the production of hydrochloric acid in your stomach, which can certainly affect your uh, digestion all the way through the entire process. Because once your stomach, uh, once your food is digested in your stomach, um, then you, then it, um, passes to the duodenum into your small intestine and into your large intestine or your colon. And through that process in every step, you have different, um, fluids and different digestive juices and digestive enzymes that are released by different organs uh, that are that belong to your uh, digestive system, uh, like your gallbladder, your pancreas, um, etc. So if those things, if your first step of producing proper hydrochloric acid in your stomach is not uh, on par, then it affects the signaling in all of the other steps of digestion. So um, that can be a huge deal. Hormonal issues can cause uh, sleep can cause sleep uh, deprivation or um, uh, any type of sleep disorder. Autoimmune issues, aches and pains. You know, it's very difficult to sleep if you have arthritis or you have uh, different joint issues and joint pain. I know that I, for one, dealt with prior to becoming keto. I dealt with chronic hip flexor issues. Um, I mean, I sought all kinds of experts for help with my chronic. 
um, pain in my hips. It was difficult to sit for any extended period of time. I mean, I would writhe in pain just sitting in the car for car rides. Um, it was difficult to sleep at night because I'm a side sleeper and I could not sleep on my hips. They would um, be so painful that they would go numb and keep me awake all night long, trying to switch from one side to the other and constantly becoming numb and very uncomfortable. And it was very difficult for me to sleep on my back. Um, you know, I had, I was told that I might would have, that if I, if this turns into bursitis, you know, I was told it was tendonitis at the time. If it turns into bursitis, you know, there's really not much that can be done. Um, surgery could potentially be an option. I mean, all these crazy, scary things. And I mean, I'm, I started dealing with this at, at like 30 years old. So I thought, how in the world is this possible that at 30 years old, my hip flexors are breaking down? Like this just doesn't make sense. I actually had to give up. I had been a sand volleyball player and a runner um, for years and had to give up um, sand volleyball. And then I continued with the running for a little while and then realized that um, could not do that. That ended up uh, traveling down into my knees and into my feet. So I had additional issues with that. Um, so eventually gave up the running, which, you know, in retrospect, that was for the best. I should have really never been doing the long distance running anyway. Um, but the, the sand volleyball, you know, really broke my heart. I'd been doing that alongside my husband for, you know, um, 15 years and, uh, 20 years actually when I gave it up. So, uh, that was, that was tough to do that, but I know what I know now um, man, if I had known that back then, I would have been able, I would have probably never even gone down that road. So I know now that it was my uh, carbohydrate intake that was causing this inflammation um, and these issues in my body. And now that I'm ketogenic, I don't have any hip issues whatsoever. I never deal with pain in my hips anymore. I never deal with any joint issues at all. I had also been told when I was younger that I, by a doctor, that I perhaps had the onset of carpal tunnel syndrome because I was having um, numbness in my hands, pain in my wrists. Um, it would, it would, my hands would cramp up and actually I would have a difficult time when I woke up in the morning, getting my hands to get feeling back in them and being able to move the joints in my fingers and my hands, my wrists. So all of this is connected guys. Um, dehydration, that's a huge one. We're going to talk about that poor sleeping environment. And there's so many more, but um, dehydration is big. Poor sleeping environment is big. So, um, you know, my husband, is very, very light sensitive and makes a big deal, which used to make me crazy, um, about any kind of light in the bedroom when we go to sleep. So he doesn't even want the light glowing from if you have a, you know, a, a view of a TV in your room and it has a light that is on the TV that tells you, you know, it comes maybe brightens if you turn it on or a cable box or DVR or something like that that has a clock on it or an alarm clock next to your bed. We could have zero of those kind of lights in our room because he said that he would, it would literally, he'd wake up several times throughout the night because of those lights. Like he would wake up and stare at those lights. So um, having a, a, a poor sleeping environment can definitely be detrimental and it is things like that. Like you need to make sure that your room is very dark and it's very quiet and um, those types of things. So um, one of the things with dehydration is uh, that is a really big one. And a lot of us are very chronically dehydrated and we don't think about that is that could be affecting our sleep, but it absolutely can. So some easy steps to make sure you're well hydrated, uh, kind of the general rule of thumb is that you divide your weight by two and then you drink that amount of ounces every day. So just for the for simplicity's sake, let's say if you're a hundred pound woman, you would divide that by two and that means you would drink 50 ounces of water a day. So, um, so figure out what yours is. I want you to make sure that that is filtered water. Um, do not drink municipal water. It, there's fluoride in municipal water. There is um, chlorine and, and other chemicals that they use to treat that water that is really, really awful for our bodies. It's really detrimental to our gut biome. So that is going to uh, mess with our digestion, which can cause all kinds of other issues that 
can lead to autoimmune issues. Um, it can lead to aches and pains. So definitely stay away from municipal water. Um, you also don't wanna drink distilled water. Uh, distilled water will actually leach the minerals out of your body. Now distilled water can be great, a, a great treatment if you are trying to get like some kind of toxicity, heavy metal toxicity specifically out of your body. Drinking distilled water is great. But if you're not trying to do that, then definitely stay away from the distilled water. Um, you don't need to be leaching minerals out of your body. So you definitely wanna be drinking a filtered water that is full of, of electrolytes and minerals. That's how we get those things into our body. And being electrolyte deficient is also a huge cause of not being able to sleep well. So when you're dehydrated, it can cause your mouth and throat and nose to be dry. So that can lead to snoring, it can lead to difficulty breathing, um, like a sore throat at night or when you when you wake up in the morning and all of those things lead to a restless sleep and where you're just not able to get into a good deep restful sleep it can also lead to muscle cramping again this goes back to uh, dehydration and you're not having the proper electrolyte balance in your muscles um, that can lead to cramping. So another tip for helping with sleeping can be taking magnesium prior to bed. Now there is a very small subset of people that taking magnesium prior to bed actually wires them. It kind of works the opposite. That is not common, but you can try taking magnesium before bed. And if you feel like you are even more awake than ever, then don't do the magnesium. <laughs> um, you can then take it in the morning would be a good option for you. But you know, I recommend pretty much 99% of the time that a client takes magnesium. Um, we are chronically low in magnesium, and when we are low in magnesium, it creates all kinds of other issues um, with our calcium um, reserves, our phosphorus reserves, um, you know, other uh, electrolyte and mineral imbalances. So magnesium is is key. To, to all of those things. It is also, magnesium helps us because it helps to decrease the cortisol levels in our body. So often one of the reasons that people feel um, wired at, at night, even though they may physically be tired, is that they have elevated cortisol levels. Um, cortisol is known as our stress hormone. And uh, we often have, from, for many different reasons, it could be uh, adrenal dysfunction, it could be, um, some kind of other hormone imbalances, but having high cortisol before we go to bed, if we're on like screens before we go to bed, that elevates our cortisol, it does not allow our, mel our melatonin signals to, to set where we, you know, start producing melatonin, which is our, you know, sleepy time hormone. So um, magnesium does help to reduce the cortisol. Um, so if you're going to look at magnesium as a potential help for sleep, I would say the most absorbable forms you want to look at, I always recommend magnesium citrate or glycinate. You can also do taurate, I believe is a good one that's pretty um, absorbable, but um, citrate, I usually will recommend that one if someone is dealing specifically with issues of constipation or hard stools. Um, it can help both ways. So constipation doesn't always mean that you have hard stool or um difficult to pass stool, it can often just mean that you don't go very much. You know, maybe I've talked to people that are like, yeah, I go to the, you know, I go to the bathroom like uh, two times a week maybe. Um, that would be classified as constipation, but they don't specifically have difficult to pass stools when they go. They're just not, it's just not moving through your digestive tract very well. There can be a lot of things that lead to that, but one of the things magnesium citrate does is it can help relax the muscles that are in your digestive tract um, and that can help them to be able to do their job a little bit better and pass the stool through. It can also soften stool. So if you are a person that maybe you do go to the bathroom more regularly than that, but it's difficult to pass or it's very hard, you don't want that either. Um, so this can help to kind of soften your stool. Um, there are other magnesiums that, um, that are okay. They basically, they'll bound to Krebs cycle chelates. So you have like malate and succinate and um, fumarate. Those are good 
versions of magnesium. I mean, they're like, okay. Um, but I would just, it's easier just stick to the glycinate or the citrate and you'll be better off. Definitely avoid magnesium carbonate, magnesium sulfate, gluconate, and oxide. Um, so those are going to be the most common and the least expensive ones that you'll find. So if you walk into your local grocery store and walk over to their supplement section and grab a magnesium supplement, you are more than likely going to get one of these. It will probably be the oxide. Um, it's very cheap and you are not gonna absorb it. And so you, when you don't absorb it, it gives your bowels an overload and definitely will um, cause some issues in your bowels. <laughs> so um, you'll wanna avoid those. Um, I would typically suggest uh, 400 to 1,000 milligrams per day. Um, I like the Pure Encapsulations brand. Personally, I take the Pure Encapsulations Magnesium Glycinate. I believe it's 120 milligrams uh, per pill, and I take four of those every night before bed. I sleep like a baby, guys. Um, also, ketogenic diet really helps with sleep. Um, when I was a carb burner, I struggled on for so many different reasons with sleeping. And now that I'm on keto, not only do I sleep better, but when I wake up, I wake up more refreshed and ready to go. So it's super helpful that way as well. So um, I would say, uh, and definitely let me just give this caveat, if you have any severe kidney or heart disease issues, any cardiac issues, consult your doctor before taking magnesium. So there are some precautions you'll wanna take there. Um, we can also get magnesium from some good keto foods like almonds, dark chocolate, spinach, avocado, broccoli, strawberries, raspberries. Those are all great sources of magnesium, but I do just wanna make sure that you guys understand that because we have such depleted soils right now and in this country specifically, but all over, our soils are just, would be where most of these things would get their magnesium from. And our soils are so depleted of magnesium. So even if you're buying all organic, even if you're buying from the local farmer's market, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time you are still gonna need to supplement with magnesium. Now the RDA recommendation for magnesium is about 300 milligrams per day, but that's much too low. That That is like the very basic, very basic level of like, you you know you hopefully will not run into any chronic diseases that stem from not having enough magnesium but even then i think it's too low um definitely you want to take 400 to a thousand um you know for sure okay and then the oh you can also take an epsom salt bath i wanted to mention that i've talked about that before um, so Epsom salt is actually a magnesium sulfate, but you are absorbing this through your skin. So it is different than taking a magnesium sulfate. When you take it and you put it through your digestive system, you are not going to absorb that form of it. But when you take a bath in Epsom salt and it absorbs through your skin, it is absorbed in an entirely different way. And that is a much more absorbable form of that. So, and not only can taking an Epsom salt bath help you absorb the magnesium, through the bath, but it also is very relaxing. Um, and I have talked about this before. I like to put um, essential oils in my bath. Uh, lavender is a really great one to put in a bath. Uh, vetiver is another one. You can put those in your bath and that will definitely help with um, kind of the, the onset of the proper sleep hormones that you want as well as reducing your cortisol levels. Okay, number nine, guys, is less stress. So maybe you're like, you know what? 2018, I am gonna commit to less stress in my life. That would be a very good goal, a great reset. And, um, you know, I talk about that a lot on, on this podcast. I've done many episodes talking about stress, how it affects everything in your body, your skin, your mood, your you know, your organs, uh, stress is even a factor in diabetes. So um, stress is a big deal. And we just talked about sleep. Stress and sleep really go uh, together very well. Um, magnesium is another great thing for stress. Um, is definitely known as like a relaxation mineral. So it stands to reason that if it helps, if it's a relaxation mineral for our bodies, then it could definitely help us to manage stress. Uh, another great supplement that I like to use for stress uh, in just helping to keep my body de-stressed because let's face it, 
even if you, uh, you know, try very hard not to overcommit yourself to things and try to keep your general stress levels down, just the world we live in puts us in a stressful situation all the time. I mean, our bodies, you know, they, they feel the stress just from us looking at computer screens all day or, you know, driving in a car and the uh, constant notifications on our cell phones and all of those things are stressful. Even the lights in our home, you know, that we turn on at night so we can stay up four or five or six hours after dark. Those are stress. Uh, those are stressful to our bodies. Um, chemicals that are in the atmosphere that we use to clean our homes. Those are all set up stress responses. So um, another great supplement to help combat some of that stuff is the adaptogenic herb ashwagandha. So. Um, I don't know if um, you've heard of ashwagandha before, but it is um, very good at helping with our neurotransmitters to help uh, help just de-stress our bodies. Um, I would try taking between 500 and 1,000 milligrams a day, uh, two times per day. So I really like the Pure Encapsulations brand. Again, I love that supplement company, company in general. Uh, currently, I have the Jaro Formulas ashwagandha, and I that's what I'm taking right now, and that seems to be good, just as good. Uh, both can be purchased via Amazon. So if you're a Prime member like me, then that is a uh, a, a great thing because it's nice to be able to go on there and order your uh, supplement or whatever you want and know it'll be to your door in one to two days. Um, I also like essential oils. Um, just like we said for sleep, essential oils are great for relaxation and helping to kind of remove some of the stress. Again, lavender and vetiver, those are good, um, great ones. Roman chamomile is a great one. And sandalwood is really good. And sandalwood specifically, I think, is so good on men. Um, my husband uses sandalwood, and he'll use that often as just a cologne. Um, but he does that. Uh, he puts the sandalwood on before he comes to bed at night. And sandalwood is known for its anti-inflammatory properties and uh, relaxation properties and many different things like that. So he puts that on and it smells amazing on him. So to me, sandalwood's a little bit more of a masculine scent. So I don't personally use sandalwood, but I do, um, I do use a blend in my um, diffuser every night. So another great, uh, a great way to use essential oils is to either use one or a blend of some of these. Uh, like I use a blend that has lavender, vetiver, Roman chamomile and, and sandalwood. And I think there's one or two other ones in there. Um, and they, that, um, I put that in a, uh, diffuser at night and I always have that on every single night before I go to bed. I diffuse that same blend in my girls' rooms and then each of my boys have a diffuser as well. Um, they're older so I don't take care of that for them. I say, you know, maybe 50% of the time they're using theirs but those are um, super good for sleep and for relaxation. Um, another way to help with the stress and to help with uh, sleeping, because if we're stressed out and we're wired, we're not gonna be able to sleep well, is uh, to put a little bit of those essential oils or one of those essential oils in a carrier oil, which would be like a coconut oil or jojoba oil or olive oil, something like that. Put a couple of drops into like a, a little bit of carrier oil and then just massage that into the bottoms of your feet. Um, I also do that quite often for my girls. I'll massage a little bit of lavender oil mixed with some um, fractionated coconut oil, and I'll mix that uh, and rub that into the bottoms of their feet. And you absorb very well through the bottoms of your feet, and that is a very relaxing way to do it. But we can't just rely on all these herbs and supplements to de-stress us. We also need to teach our bodies how to relax. We need to learn how to tap into our parasympathetic nervous system more. So our parasympathetic nervous system, we've talked about on here before, that is our rest and digest. It's also called your feed and breed. So um, rest and digest because when you're in parasympathetic, you're able to relax you're able to digest your food well and feed and breed because if you're constantly in a sympathetic um, mode, your body is like, there is no way we are going to let this girl get pregnant. There is no way we're going to let her uh, breed because she is constantly running from this tiger and there she's in such danger. So you need to get your stress, stress levels down to be able to properly 
relax, to feed properly, to be able to breed properly, um, all of this stuff ties together. So it's super important uh, that we are really tapping into that parasympathetic nervous system. Another great, so so learning to meditate can be a great way to, to do that. Whether you meditate, whether you pray, maybe you do both. Um, a lot of times I do meditation when I'm, wait, or grounding is another great way. Um, I'll do those types of things. I've talked about it before when I'm waiting on my girls to get off the bus in the afternoon. Um, I, you know, I have to wait, wait out there for the bus. So it like forces me to have like 10 minutes that I am not doing anything else but waiting on the girls. So I could sit and scroll through my phone and look at news feeds on Instagram and Facebook, or uh, which would make me in a very sympathetic mode, or I could do like some meditation or some grounding, some earthing, um, some prayer time, maybe some gratitude, um, and that will help me tap into my parasympathetic, which is my rest and digest. So that is a good way to get um, used to tapping into that system more. Also a great way is if you have an infrared sauna or if you have access to one. So that can serve you very well, not only in improving many other functions in your body, but it definitely helps with your stress response because it helps to body your your it helps to balance your body's cortisol levels. And definitely being in that nice warm infrared sauna definitely promotes feelings of relaxation. So that is also an excellent time to practice meditation or prayer is when you're in an infrared sauna. Okay, so let's move on to number eight. My number eight of the top 10 keto lifestyles, New Year's resolutions, would be more grateful and positive focused. So I put these two together because um, I think they definitely go hand in hand. When you are uh, more positively focused, you can be more grateful. And when you're more grateful, you can be more positively focused. Um, and these, this is really a great, uh, a, a great New Year's resolution. It's a, it's a great thing to, for anybody to focus on. But I can tell you in the ketogenic lifestyle, it is so much easier to do than when we are carb burners. So we, you know, you've heard me say this before as well. We are not meant to be sugar burners. That's not our, that's not our body's preferred fuel source. It is not how we were made to be. It is not how our, our ancestors were. We have ancestrally been fat burners. The only time that we would have access to carbohydrates would be just during certain seasons of the year when we would have um, be able to get our hands on fruit or um, be able to come across honey and perhaps have honey. But we didn't have bread and uh, cakes and snacks and all this processed food and, and wheat, and we didn't have those things. So we were fat burners. Um, that's what we lived on. We lived on animal products. The fattier, the better. Um, they not only kept us alive, they kept us functioning. They gave us energy. Um, you know, we, they, we could store, the only reason we would gorge on carbohydrates was we knew that that our bodies would store that as fat. So we would eat as many carbohydrates as we could when we could get our hands on them, store that as body fat, and then we'd go back to being fat burners, keto adapted, and eating the, our typical diet, which was largely animal products. And then we would um, use those extra fat stores to continue to uh, energize us and keep us going throughout the rest of the year. So that is how our bodies are made. When we deviate from that, it makes it very difficult for our brains to function properly. You know, our brains are made up of cholesterol. We need cholesterol. We need fat. We need good fats. I mean, that is how that is how we fuel ourselves. Yes, our body, or yes, our brain does use glucose. It needs a, a very small amount of glucose, which our liver makes. It is made to make that glucose that our brain needs, and you do not have to take in any carbohydrates for it to be able to do that. Um, if our bodies needed the carbohydrates to do that, then I would say, okay, there is, uh, there's a need for carbohydrates and they're essential, but they do not. Um, as a matter of fact, they are designed to not have any carbohydrates and still be able to do that. So that tells me, um, logically thinking that if our bodies are made to do that on their own and we don't even need to bring in carbohydrates, then that tells me that we shouldn't be subs, subs 
sustaining, you're subsiding, living on, sustaining life mm-hmm. on carbohydrates. Um, so one of the things that I would definitely recommend for becoming more grateful and more positive is to start a gratitude journal. So you can grab any notebook. There are also, and I just use a plain old spiral bound notebook that I keep at my bedside table, but you can totally get there. It's such a thing now. There are all kinds of them available. You could, um, go online and just look up gratitude journal and you're going to find a ton of different ones. And maybe you like that it would help maybe keep you more organized or more on task if you had a gratitude journal to fill in every day Um, but basically just write in it every day i would suggest a minimum of three things that you're grateful for so no matter how small they might seem write them down so you know it could be something as simple as um you know i'm grateful that i'm not sick i'm uh grateful that um I'm grateful that, you know, what, well, like yesterday. So I went over to our cabin that uh, we've talked about on here before. We bought this new, um, an, another vacation property that we're getting ready for short-term vacation rentals and we're remodeling it. And, um, that, you know, there was a lot of things that we needed to get done to this house before we get it out on the market. And one of the things was the bathtub in the main bathroom was so discolored and stained and we couldn't figure out why like what in the world went into this bathtub to make it like this and it is a really nice bathtub and so my um my friend our very dear friend that has been helping us build homes and remodel homes for the last 15 plus years um said oh no that is such a great bathtub and you guys will just uh we can get that cleaned up we can resurface it it'll be great and you know you don't want to have to replace that because it'd be very costly to replace this unit with another um comparable unit so i just was like no way victor i think you're way off there is no way we're gonna be able to clean this up like i am very particular about those things and i like a very clean very buttoned up house and i thought there's no way like i if it's not sparkling i I won't keep it in here. So um, I went over yesterday and he had his guy there working on the tub and he had buffed it out. It looked brand new. I mean, I literally almost started crying (laughs) because I thought this just saved me thousands of dollars and I am so happy that it looks so good. Like I just couldn't believe it. So, you know, that goes down in my gratitude journal. I am so grateful for the bathtub in the main bathroom in the cabin. So, you know, nothing is too small, nothing is too silly. Just write down anything that you can think of that you are thankful for that day. What this does is it helps us to be able to focus on gratitude and on being grateful for things versus the negative things. Because yesterday, for instance, when I went to the cabin, you know, I was working on some things. I'm I'm uh, refinishing the kitchen cabinets. We had to have um, we, we redesigned the kitchen. It had double ovens and a huge cooktop in there and, um, which is great. It, you know, they were nice, but they were older. So we were going to replace them anyway. And I thought, you know what, this is a vacation rental. Nobody needs double ovens in here and this huge cooktop and it takes up space. And we really wanted to reorganize the kitchen and make it more, uh, entertainment friendly and more user friendly for vacation vacationers. You know, you're not going to spend all that time in the kitchen. So it's a really good sized kitchen, but we needed to reconfigure cabinet locations and all of these types of things. So um, we got more cabinets, had more cabinets custom built to fill in some of these spots as we moved um, appliances around. And so I decided that instead of trying to match everything, I would paint the cabinets. I love a painted kitchen anyway. And um, and specifically, you know, faux, I'm going to glaze these cabinets and kind of do a faux finish on them. And Um, you know, so it's a lot of work and, you know, there's just one thing after the other. I broke a screw off yesterday in the, in the, one of the doors and I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to fix this now? And, um, you know, they, we've run into electrical issues trying to install some chandeliers. And so we have to hire another electrician to come out and help take care of that. So there, there's these things that I could just have been very focused on, uh, these negative things, because there were definitely felt like more negative things going on than there are positive things, which is if you've ever done any remodeling work, you kind of know what I'm talking about. And you just are always running into things. Um, but it helped me to not focus on those and to be able to focus on the positive things. And Derek and I often talk about how, um, how 
very often negative things will happen. Um, you know, as business owners, we have a lot of employees and often you'll have something negative happen with those employees and you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening or, you know, why would this person do this to me? Or, you know, with different clients that just, um, you know, don't maybe don't do the right thing or, or don't, um, you know, just, just things that happen and you think, you know, this is so negative, this is so... Uh, frustrating, whatever the case may be, but we definitely take the route. And I'm not saying it's always easy to do. And I'm not saying that there are not things that happen in life that that are really difficult and um, and painful. And you just think that what could possibly be the good in this? But we often just try to remind ourselves that maybe the thing that is happening now that we are struggling to get through or we think is is really bad that maybe it's actually a blessing maybe it's actually a positive thing because had we maybe kept that employee and things had progressed down the road maybe they would have been able to do more damage or cause more harm to our business or our lives or you know maybe that client that um you know that that you're working with in your career your whatever it is that you're doing maybe that client that um, that you feel like um, didn't do right by you or didn't, um, you know, just whatever the situation was, that maybe it's best that you not be working with that person anyway. And, um, and that, and you should be grateful for that, you know, and be thankful that those things happen sometimes. So I know that can be difficult to do, but definitely keeping a gratitude journal can really help. Another thing that can really help with this is volunteering in your community. So I definitely suggest find something that, um, that is a, uh, is something that's big, big to you. It fills your heart, warms your heart. Uh, something that um, that you want to make a difference in. Something that you see as an issue and you think uh, somebody has to do this. Be that somebody. So go out there and volunteer. You can volunteer in your local. Um, homeless shelter, a soup kitchen. Um, I used to volunteer at a pregnancy uh, center in, um, in our downtown area, uh, and I would work with women who would come in. We would administer pregnancy tests for them. They would find out they were pregnant, and they often did not know what they were going to do or how they were going to support a baby. Or So we would help work with them on ways they could get support or um, work with them on placing their baby for adoption. And that is definitely something that's near and dear to my heart. I absolutely loved doing that. Um, I worked there for two years as a volunteer. I would go in two to three days a week and counsel these women. I loved it. It was absolutely amazing. Um, maybe you have a real heart for animals and, um, and you could volunteer at your local uh, animal shelter and help these animals find homes or give them love while they're in this situation you, by giving them baths, taking them for walks. Um, helping to socialize them and make them more adoptable so that um, they will find a forever home. So those are some things that you can do. I always tell my kids that if you are, you know, you're feeling down, you're feeling, um, having a bad day, if you serve someone else, it always lifts your spirits. We are created to serve. And I think that that is a, is a big reason that it always kind of makes us feel better. Um, another thing I recommend doing is set out every day to do one good thing for at least one person. So bonus points if that person doesn't deserve it, quote unquote. Um, so, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'm going to do one good thing today for my son. Well, of course, I love him and I want to do, I probably do, you know, 500 good things a day for my son. Um, so I'm talking about focusing more on strangers or someone, um, that you don't feel deserves it. So one of the things that we have, um, in this area is we, Derek and I listen to some Christian radio stations and one of them does this, uh, they call it the drive through difference. And maybe you've heard of this in a different way. Um, you know, I've also heard paying it forward, that type of thing, but, um, where you go through a drive through and you get whatever it is that you're getting and then you pay for the person behind you. So you tell the cashier that you want to pay for whatever the order behind you is. And then you just, um, this particular program with this radio station, I think that you hand a card to the cashier and they give it to the person. So we've done this several times, but we've never actually done the card. We just tell the cashier to tell them that we just wanted to bless them 
and we hope they have a great day. And so that's what we do. Well, um, not to toot my own horn, but I want to tell this story because um, hopefully this will kind of help resonate with you as what I'm talking about when somebody that necessarily doesn't deserve it. So uh, not too long ago, I had pulled into a uh, restaurant. I was going to go through the drive-thru and get myself a cup of coffee. And I pulled in and this older gentleman in this car was cutting across the parking lot and past the entrance into this uh, parking lot. And so I had to slam on my brakes. He had to slam on his brakes because he was literally going to hit me. Well, he apparently thought that it was my fault that we almost collided, even though I had, I was just pulling into the parking lot. Um, you know, I didn't see him and he was kind of, uh, driving very quickly through this parking lot. And he was obviously not happy with me, giving me all kinds of lovely hand signals. And, um, I could tell he was yelling, uh, in his car and was very upset with me. So I just, um, just kind of shook my head, tried not to get too upset about it and drove on about my business. Um, and I, like I said, I was going through the drive-thru to get a cup of coffee. Well, lo and behold, I get in the drive-thru line and guess who pulls up behind me? This gentleman who had just almost, uh, had this collision with me and was obviously very upset with me. And I could still see him glaring at me in my rearview mirror. So when I got up to the window and paid for my coffee, I also paid for his, uh, meal. I asked to pay for his and I thought, and the reason I did that was because you know, in that moment, I was super frustrated and I did definitely get that feeling of like, who does he think he is? That was totally not my fault at all. Like what is wrong with this guy? Um, but I really thought, you know, I, instead of dwelling on that feeling, you know, you get that feeling that adrenaline rush and that like pit of your stomach feeling the butterflies and you're like, oh, just, you know, just put you on edge or whatever. Just taking that very act of being more positive, just trying to focus on things I'm grateful for. You know, I was just like, you know what? I am grateful that we did not collide. I have no idea what this guy's going through. Maybe he just had a death in the family. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is, but there may have been some reason. Maybe that's not normally how he is. And maybe I can change his day. So I just told the cashier to tell him that, uh, I hoped he had a good day and, um, and that I had paid for his food. So, um, that was it. It wasn't a big deal, but you know, I, I kind of hightailed it out of there cause I didn't want him to track me down and like <laughs> think that I had done that as like, you know, an in your face snub or something. But, um, Anyway, so you can do things like that. I think that's a really uh, great way to do it. Okay, so I know that we've only gotten through eight, uh, or I'm sorry, three, the top three, and I have uh, I have seven more <laughs> to go through, but the next ones go much faster, so I am going to save those for uh, part two of this podcast, and uh, next week I will not do a listener question. I'm just going to finish with these uh, with the top seven suggestions. So I hope that you guys enjoyed that. I hope it gave you some ideas. You know, if you haven't come up with any um, New Year's resolutions yet, maybe you could use one of these. Maybe you don't typically do them. Maybe it would be a good time to start. And, um, you know, there's, uh, the, the statistics say that if you've already started a new year's resolution anyway, you probably aren't even doing it still. So, so maybe you can have another reset and go ahead and start one today. I think the statistics that I read were only 8% of new year's resolutions make it through the year and 80% of new year's resolutions are, uh, done by February 1st. So, um, that's it. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty interesting. All right, guys. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. And, oh, I am going to read one, um, review today. Um, I thank you guys so much for continuing to leave me reviews on iTunes. I have seen a few more come in. And again, if I don't read yours on air, I'm really sorry. I, um, I don't get to see all of them. I think some of them are five-star reviews, but I just don't get to see them. Um, or maybe they have not left actual um, reviews. They just uh, gave it a rating or a ranking. Um, but uh, I appreciate if you guys like this podcast, if you like what you're listening to and you want to leave me a five-star review, that would be great. It just helps with the rankings and helps other people that are searching for keto information to be able to find this podcast easier through the iTunes system. Okay, so today's uh, 
review comes from Kristen H333. Um, Kristen says, excellent nutritional advice. I am so sad, exclamation point. And when I read that, my heart sank, Kristen. I was like, oh no, she's so sad. What did I do? But it gets better. She says, I just got the message from my podcast app that says you're all caught up on all 26 episodes of Keto Lifestyle. Gotta wait until next week's episode, I guess. Jessica is in my NTP class, and I had the pleasure of meeting her back in December. We were each other's practice clients. Yes, we were. (laughs) Um, She is as sweet and knowledgeable in person as she is on this podcast. That is so sweet. Thank you, Kristen. Um, She says, like all other reviews say, I love that she breaks stuff down in an easy-to-understand format, and she talks about this being a lifestyle rather than a diet. Even though I'm not completely keto, I learn something new each episode that I can apply to my own life. Gargling? Who knew? Thanks, Jessica. Keep up the excellent work, and I'll see you again in March for our next face-to-face NTP weekend. Thank you so much, Kristen, for uh, Kristen H333 for your review. That is um, wonderful. I love that, and I do love my NTP classes and training, and that is super exciting. And yes, we will be back at it in March. We have midterms in March. And um, I'm a little bit nervous about that, but it's going to be great, I'm sure. So that's all I have for today, guys. Um, if you guys would like to reach out to me, you can send me an email at jessica at jessicatide.com. You can go to my website, that's jessicatide.com, to learn more information about how you can get coaching with me, do nutritional coaching for people, um, as well as you can just get some information on that site. If you're not interested in coaching, you can, I do other things, um, And then uh, I also offer a free 15-minute phone consult that we can talk a little bit in more detail about what coaching would look like and how I might be able to help you. Um, Also, if you would like to follow me on Instagram and just kind of see what I'm posting on my kind of daily life there, I post um, things, dishes, recipes that I create, things about my kiddos, um, keto snack ideas, you know, just, just things like that, kind of a variety of things. Uh, that is, I am at that keto blonde on Instagram. You can also visit my Facebook page. I do a little more recipes and stuff like that there. That is facebook.com forward slash Jessica tie nutrition. And that is where you can go to link up with me there. And if you have any questions or anything I can help you with, don't feel, don't, uh, you know, feel free to reach out guys. Don't hesitate to do that. I, um, don't always get back with people right away. Uh, I, you know, it's a little bit hard to keep up with all of that sometimes, but I do my very best. And if you have something that I think would be beneficial to other listeners or a question I get asked a lot, then I might just address it on the show and that's all I have guys. So have a great week and I look forward to finishing this list with you next week. Bye-bye. This episode of Keto Lifestyle is brought to you by the How Did He Know app. How Did He Know is a revolutionary app that delivers daily customized tips to help men become better husbands and partners and reap the rewards that come from happy, fulfilling relationships. For more information, visit their website at www.howdidhenow.com or download it from the App Store today for iTunes or Android. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 